tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 431, and today we are talking about books being released on September 19th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Tears of, hello! Hello! Tears of, how are you? Great, how about you? Well, we are having some technical difficulties again. The internet just isn't our friend lately. It's not. It doesn't want to connect us. And also, I had the hiccups. I had to restart the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But we're here. We're trying. We're persevering. Yes. So let's see. Okay. So today, when we were recording this, it is Friday, September 15th, which is Agatha Christie's birthday. I'm sure you all were thinking that as soon as I said it. (laughs) There's a big storm coming. Like, I'm running around... Like, just banana pants because all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, you're on the coast of Maine, so you're going to get all this wind and rain. And so all day we've been trying to, you know, put everything away. I'm like, why do we have this many plants? Why do we have this many bird feeders? Like, <laughs> we get a hurricane like once every 10 years. And when I'm like, ah! so we'll see what happens. It's ruined all of my plans for the week. We were supposed to go hiking tomorrow. I was supposed to go to Portland tonight to see Claudia Craven's talk about Lucky Red, one of my favorite books of the year. Um, It's just wild. Just like weather. It happens. Yeah, you can't really do much about it, but it always is such a bummer when it ruins your plans. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, you know, it's it's hard to think of everything. I'm just like, what else did we not, you know, <laughs> what else did we not nail down? What else did we not think of, you know, before it gets here? But it is very unusual for us, like, up here in Maine. I mean, we obviously have, like, big snowstorms and stuff, but we don't usually get hurricanes. And as of, like, a little while ago, they're like, it's still coming. So we'll see. Well, I hope you you stay safe. And I know you're well-stocked with books, so that's good. Yes. Yeah, they're like, prepare to have, like, 72 hours worth of supplies in case the power goes out. And I'm like, well, I have three cases of seltzer water and all the books I can read. So (laughs) we're fine. And of course, lots and lots of cat food. And speaking of cats, so many of you reached out to me because apparently you could hear Zivon having a meltdown in the background on the last episode of All the Books. He doesn't usually do that. Like, I can't let them in the office with me because he loves his mummy so much. Like, he just wants to climb all over me and step on the laptop and just yell at me when he's in the room. So I have to shut them out uh, because Farouk... He'll sleep in here, but if he wakes up, then he'll start yelling. So they were out. But while I was recording with Vanessa, I kept hearing one of them just going off like a, like a car alarm. <laughs> so much so that like while she was talking at one point, I muted the microphone and I opened the door because I was like, what is happening? And my husband was outside and, you know, he just he was like, nobody's paying attention to me. I want attention. But I did not realize that he was that loud that like people <laughs> could hear him. <laughs> so whoops, I apologize. You know, for the cat siren. Um, he just loves his mummy. Oh, <laughs> what a good boy. Well, you might hear Dolly Purton today because she was locked up in, in a bedroom where she has everything that she could possibly want, but she was angry about it. And you could definitely hear her like yowling. So I let her out. And now she's wandering around, but she's quiet. So I'm like hoping that she stays quiet and satisfied. But she might try to try to leap at me at some point. So we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. I think if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that nothing ever goes according to plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, are, there are cats and all kinds of things. Speaking of which, one of the books that I was going to talk about today has been bumped to much, much farther away. So much so that I will not be talking about it. So I, I'm just like, everything today is like, ah, ah, ah and that's fine. It's going to be fine. 
we're going to talk about some fun stuff. But before we do that, I want to remind listeners about the deep dive by Book Riot. Book Riot's editorial team is writing for casual and power readers alike over at the deep dive. Find weekly stories that inform and inspire readers drawn from our collective experience as power readers, teachers, librarians, booksellers, and bookish professionals. Recent stories for free subscribers have included a brief history of chain letters, a BTS look at being Book Riot's managing editor, and the anatomy of an Obama summer reading list. And paid subscribers get access to exclusive content, including a mega list of books our readers think you should add to your TBR, and access to community features, including the ability to comment. And during the month of September, all new free subscribers will be entered to win Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, plus five mystery books from The Deep Dive. To enter, simply start a free subscription to The Deep Dive. No payment method is required. To enter, go to bookriot.substack.com. That's bookriot.substack.com. No purchase is necessary to enter. So yay to that, and yay to our first sponsor! Today's episode is brought to you by National Geographic Books. The Cave is the incredible memoir of Imani Balur, a young doctor and activist who ran an underground hospital in Damascus, humanizing the enduring crisis in Syria. The only woman to have ever run a wartime hospital in Syria, she saved many from the atrocities of war while having to face the patriarchal conservatism around her. Amani Balur is a game changer. Listen, she will be remembered as one of history's greatest. She's a passionately committed humanitarian, and she is determined to help others escape the horrors that she survived. Make sure to pick up the memoir, The Cave by Amani Balur and Rania Abuzaid for a memoir that expands on the 2019 Oscar nominated film by the same name, which documents her experience running the hospital, shielding children from horrific sarin attack, losing colleagues, trying to employ more women in the hospital, and eventually leaving and becoming a refugee. So make sure to read about this amazing woman. And thanks again to National Geographic Books for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay. It's entirely appropriate, I think, that uh, I kick it off with this one because we were just talking about cats. My first pick for today is Starter Villain by John Scalzi. And the reason I say it's appropriate because... This has my favorite cover of the year. I mean, I would have bought this book if you told me that it was 500 blank pages because it has an oil painting of a cat wearing a business suit. And it's amazing. Like, <laughs> w- like a way to get sales, right? Like, they- they've found the formula. So I would have bought this anyway, but I also read it and it's really fun and silly. It's like a novel about bad guys. And it stars Charlie. Charlie is a young man in his early 30s. He's living in his childhood home. He was married, but now he's divorced. And he moved back home to take care of his father, who was very ill. His father has since passed on. And he left this home to him and his three older half-siblings. His half-siblings are like, sell the house, we want the money. Charlie is feeling nostalgic, and he's he's fighting them. He's like, I don't want to... I'm not going to sell. Like, I refuse to sign any papers. I want to stay here. You know, memories. And he's sad about his divorce. And he's working as a substitute teacher. And he doesn't have a lot of money. So he needs a place to stay. And he also has dreams of buying the local pub. But, like I said, he has no money. No way of getting a loan. No collateral. So things aren't looking good for him. And then when the book opens, he's watching the news. And there's a brief story that his reclusive billionaire Uncle Jake has died. He hasn't seen Uncle Jake since he was a kid. Charlie remembers that his uncle came to his mom's funeral when he was five. He was his mother's brother. Uh, Charlie's dad and his Uncle Jake got in a fight, and his dad told him never to show up again, and he didn't. Um, And so that was the last time Charlie saw Jake. And shortly after this news breaks, Charlie is approached by a representative saying, you know, she worked with his uncle, and his uncle wanted him to take over his business. And Charlie's like, doesn't really know what his uncle does, but he's like, "Mm, I don't really want to. And 
you know, there's like these stipulations, like if he holds a service for him and he speaks and he does all the stuff, like he might get some money and all these things. And Charlie's like, well, I could use the money. But as the days are going on, it becomes apparent uh, to the people who work for his uncle that because he is the heir to his uncle's fortune, because he's his only living relative, uh, it is not safe for Charlie. And they have to explain to Charlie the reason that is, is because his uncle was a villain. He was a billionaire villain who comes with a literal volcano lair, which they take Charlie to because they want him to be safe and they can't keep an eye on him in his house. And they take him there to learn about the business. He learns that there were things he didn't even know about that were going on over the years. His uncle had been keeping an eye on him. And it is required of him, as his uncle's heir, to attend a convention of the world's biggest villains... It happens every year, and they are insisting that Charlie attend the other villains. Um, and the people that work for him and pretty much everyone else aren't entirely certain that he is going to survive this conference, but he <laughs> has to go. It's cheeky. It's cartoony. It's funny. Like, when Charlie, the representative, she's telling him, like, you have to go you know, to this thing, and, and you have to come with us. And he's like, I don't want to do this. He's like, I want to stay here. He's like, I like it here. I, I mean, I don't have a great life, but I kind of like my life, and I'm trying to buy this bar. He's like, and, and I have cats. I love my cats, and, and I want to stay with my cats. I think I relate better to cats than people. And she says, that's the toxoplasmosis talking, which <laughs> made me laugh out loud. Because if you don't know what toxoplasmosis is, it's the disease you can get from your cats that is like a brain infection. And that made me laugh out loud. Uh, and I'm constantly like, I think I have toxoplasmosis. <laughs> Now, if you've read the book or you've read the description, you'll notice that I have left out some big plot points that you can learn about just from reading the description of the book, because I really enjoy reading John Scalzi. I read this without reading the description, and there are some great surprises if you don't know what's coming. So I personally recommend skipping the description, skipping reviews, just read it because it's so much fun to find these things out. Like, I did not know these things. Also, like I said, best cover of the year. You know, like they could sell posters of this and I would get one and frame it. Like that's how much I love this cover. <laughs> I do want to give content warnings uh, for mentions of loss of a loved one, cancer, suicide, sexism, violence, and murder. This is Starter Villain by John Scalzi. That sounds delightful. And I definitely want to read it. And it's funny because I'm actually reading right now Assistant to the Villain by Hannah Nicole Mayer. <laughs> and so it's, I'm like, oh, it's a very villainous um, sort of theme going on with reading this week. That's cool. I got that one last week because I was like, this sounds like fun. It's been fun. I, I'm almost done with it. I only have about 40 pages left. Now, is it YA? Because I saw someone mention the other day it was YA and I didn't realize that. Oh, it is definitely not YA. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, I don't think that's true. It's um it's very sexy. I haven't there's not been on the page sex, but no, the protagonist is like twenty two no, she's twenty-three and um the hero is like thirty and it's very cheeky, very much not like written for teens in mind, but I can see how certain <laughs> Teens might enjoy it. So, but yeah, um, just just a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, anywho. So my first pick is um, a different sort of book. It is a romance. It is Cleat Cute by Meryl Wilsner. And I really like Meryl Wilsner's romances. I've read um, now all three that they've written. So this one, it stars... Um, members of a U.S. women's um, national soccer team. And so it is about Grace and Phoebe. Grace is kind of like this all-star. She's been famous since she was a literal teenager when she made the team. Um, she's gotten a lot of endorsement deals and everybody just kind of loves her. She's kind of like, you know, the face of, you know, women's soccer. And um, she's also very like buttoned up and very private. Um, she doesn't like really sharing a lot about herself and her personal life um, with the media. Um, she's been burned before. And she her, her latest secret as they are going into a new season is that she has an injury. And she is not telling anybody about her injury because she's deathly afraid that this injury will cause like end her career. And at 26, she's not really ready to end her career. 
Meanwhile, there's a new girl to the team named Phoebe. And Phoebe is younger than, than Grace, but like not, you know, so, so much younger. She's, um, I think she's like 20 in the book. And she's a recent college graduate and a fantastic soccer player. She's just been recruited um, to the team. And she's kind of like in awe that she gets to play on the same team as Grace Henderson, who like she had a literal poster of in her room when she was, you know, a kid and a teenager. And where Grace is like very buttoned up, Phoebe is just like all over the place. She's loud. She's effusive. Uh, she's demonstrative. She's just so excited to be there and be on the team. And Grace doesn't really like her at first because she sees Phoebe as young and immature and like she's always late um, to training. But they have a few um, moments in their early on training where they kind of find each other, um, like find themselves in close proximity to each other. And Phoebe is like totally got this major crush on Grace, but trying to kind of be chill about it. But yet also at the same time trying to be like, oh, maybe we can be friends. Maybe we can train with each other. And their chemistry just like takes off. So they've got this like secret relationship that they have going on, but they're not really telling the rest of the team or the rest of the world. And um, at first they're just like, oh, it's just going to be, you know, just it's just sex. It's just, you know fun. But of course, it doesn't always go like that, um, especially when feelings are taken into account. But also when Phoebe realizes that Grace has an injury, and she doesn't want to stay quiet about it. And Grace realizes a few things about Phoebe. And then they kind of get caught in this 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 tangle of like you know they know stuff about each other that they don't really want the other the rest of the world to know. And what's going to happen with their relationship? It was really fun. Um, I really like Meryl Wilsner's books because they feel really escapist and they kind of have these situations where, you know, everyday life, like you're not going to be playing for the U.S. women's soccer team. Um, but yet you can just kind of slip into these books and um, escape. And there's always really fun romance. And um, if you like sexy books, these are pretty sexy. So um, just a heads up, there is definitely on the page sex in these books, but um, in all of Meryl Wilsner's books, but this one especially. So it was really fun. And in fact, uh, Meryl Wilsner is actually going to be at my local indie next week. So I'm hoping I get to go meet them and pick up, you know, my real life copy of click cute awesome i have to catch up because i read their first one which was something to talk about is that right yes but i haven't read the last one i don't think i don't remember anymore my my short-term memory like with titles i'm like i could have read that it's possible M- mistakes were made is the title oh, of their no i haven't read that yeah one. and it was that one's fun that one's really fun and sexy too um but it's funny because the year that came out there was like a ya book that came out with that title and i kept getting right. confused all the time it was it was rough yeah we're gonna have another ya adult book mix-up <laughs> just like assistant to the villain I will completely admit to buying this into the villain because it has sprayed edges. Yes. I was like, oh, yes, I would like that. I miss that. They used to spray the edges of all paperback books, you know, many years ago, but they all paperback books were usually, you know, mass market size. Yes. Know? So probably only needed half as much spray. Who knows? I don't know. But I, I love a sprayed edge. Yeah. And this one's fun, too, because it's a paperback with a sprayed edge. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous. All right, so switching gears, I have another book that I can't tell you very much about. (laughs) That's the theme of the day. My next pick for today is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. This one, even more than than Starter Villain, I would recommend avoiding reviews because they don't tell you on the description on the jacket what's going on in this one. And so I read this without reading anything about it because I am a big fan of her previous books and I was so giddy with glee when the reveal came and it comes fairly early in the book so like you don't have to wait forever to find out what's going on uh I was so delighted Uh, Rachel Harrison is the author of The Return which I talked about like 800,000 times when it came out about the friends that spend the weekend at the getaway Cackle, which is about witches, Such Sharp Teeth, which is about werewolves, and now this one about a young woman who returns home to her family's deeply religious cult to attend a wedding. 
Our main character in this book is Vesper, which I know you're thinking, wait, that's also the name of Erin Morgenstern's cat. It is. Um, Vesper is 24. She's working a dead-end job that she hates at this, like, Applebee's-type restaurant. And in the very first few pages, she gets fired. She doesn't really have a great attitude. Her coworkers don't really get along with her. And something happens and she gets fired. So when she returns home that night, she finds an ominous envelope sitting in front of her door. The envelope contains an invitation inviting her to the wedding between her cousin and best friend, Rosie, and her ex-boyfriend, Byron. Now, Vesper grew up in a deeply religious, close-knit New Jersey community. They said devotions to the Lord every day and prayers, and they had to attend mass several times a week. And Vesper, like, when she started to be like 10 or 11, she was like, this is, this is not what I want. I don't know that I believe in this. And as she got older, those feelings continued and grew stronger. Vesper's mother is a famous scream queen of cinema. She's like the Jamie Lee Curtis of her day. And her money that she makes from doing these B-horror movies funds their church and and everything that they do. Um, And so, like I said, Vesper didn't really believe anymore after she got to be a certain age. And when she was eight, kind of made her an outcast. And when she was 18, she made the decision to leave their community. The thing about that is that if you leave you are not allowed to return. Like, that's it. You have to cut ties with your family. You have to cut ties with your friends. Like, you're not allowed to go home. And her boyfriend, Byron, who she loved very much, wouldn't come with her. So she had to say goodbye to him. She made, like, this difficult decision, and she left. So she's been kind of scraping by the last few years, and she gets this invitation, and she's kind of angry. You know, she foolishly and selfishly thought that her friend Rosie you know, was just waiting and waiting for her to come home and that Byron was, you know, pining away for her for all these years. Um, And she can't believe that the two of them are getting married. You know, like I said, even though she left, she left and, you know, what were they going to do? And because she's kind of surly and angry about it, uh, her plan, her first idea is that she's going to go there and she's going to confront them. She wants them to look her in the eyes before they marry each other because she wants them to feel bad for what they did because she's kind of selfish. And she's also wicked surprised that she was even invited because as she was told, no one is allowed to return. Like you're not welcome home again. And even more surprising, she's like, yeah, I'm going to attend. So she gets on a bus or a train and she heads to New Jersey. And when she gets there, things are kind of how they always were. Her room looks exactly the same, maybe a little dusty. Everyone seems the same. For the most part, her mother is still an ice queen. Her mother has always been withholding and not affectionate with Vesper. Um, She was always trying to please her mother and she couldn't seem to ever do anything right. And she's not surprised to learn that she's exactly the same as the last time she saw her. You know, everyone else is like, oh, Vesper's here. Yay. And her mother's like, oh, you know, and she's, you know, still continuing to fill their house with the scary props from, you know, her movies. But you know, Vesper realizes, like, she missed her friend, Rosie, and she missed Byron. And she also kind of thinks, maybe she's not above stealing him back. But, you know, we're going to find out. And, you know, as they say, you can't go home again. But it turns out that you can. But horrifying secrets will be revealed, and you may find yourself in danger. I loved this book. I love Harrison's writing. It's very, I don't know how to, it's very, like, ominous and humid very sticky it like clings to you she writes such great stories like i said i absolutely cackled when i got to the reveal Uh, if you love dark humor if you love books about cults and dysfunctional families this book is for you i do want to give content warnings for sexual harassment substance abuse and child abuse and there are some things that i don't want to tell you because they will absolutely spoil the book Um, but just keep in mind this is a horror novel so nothing is safe and there will be violence and death of people and animals. This is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. Oh my gosh. I love Rachel Harrison's books. And I think my partner has had this one pre-ordered for like, you know, months, months and months. So I can't wait. Um, we usually Yay! listen. Yeah. We usually listen to um, her books on audio together. So I'm really excited for this Ooh. one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. My next pick is another, um, is a YA book. 
And it is um, When a Brown Girl Flees by Amna Qureshi, an actual YA book this time, not one being mistaken or not an adult book being mistaken for a YA. So this one is about Zara and it starts out. Um, she lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's driving home from her job. She's 18. She's just graduated from college and she is absolutely not college. She's just graduated from high school and um, she's absolutely miserable. And she's driving home from work and she drives past the train station and she thinks, oh, I could just get on a train. And she does. And she gets on the train. And even though she knows that like in any minute now, her mom's going to call her, her mom's going to demand to know where she is and demand that she come home. But she with just nothing but the clothes on her back and her her tote bag with her laptop and a few things, she gets on this train, she leaves her phone and her keys behind and she just runs and um, she goes into San Francisco. She gets herself to the airport. She gets on the first flight that she can find and she flies as far away as she can get from San Francisco, which is New York. And when she gets there, she takes another train to Long Island and then she decides, okay, I'm going to figure out how to live here. And of course, you know, people don't typically just run away from their lives with no reason. So as you're reading, you get little hints and clues as to why she is running. And you find out that about six months before the book started, she did something. She did something that she regrets. She did something that her mother cannot forgive. And as a result, her mother said, you have no choice, but now you have to get married. And so she has this arranged marriage that is supposed to take place in a couple of weeks, but she can't go through with it. So she's in Long Island and she has no idea what to do. And she only has limited funds. And that is how she that's where she kind of finds herself wandering around um, until she connects with another teen her age and she's kind and she's happy and she's nice and she invites Zara into her home into her family and Zara realizes that you know the way her parents live their lives and the way that she's expected to live her life it's not the only way for her to live and in fact just because she did something that she regrets doesn't mean that she necessarily needs to be cast out of her muslim community she can still find love and acceptance and forgiveness and peace and so she goes about creating her own life for herself but of course in the back of her mind is always you know the fact that she she ran she fled from home and she's gonna have to face her her parents at some point um, so I really like this book. It's a very emotional book. It also had like a lot of really great passages talking about like religion and spirituality. And I mean, even if you aren't Muslim, like I'm, I'm obviously, I think not. I think it's, I think I've talked before about how I, you know, was born, or I grew up Christian and now I'm, I'm not, but I found those passages to be really beautiful because they, they resonated with, with the character and they were just very beautifully written. And I really appreciated learning a little bit more about, um, you know, the Muslim faith and, and, and how, you know, she, she learns to find her community. And I think that that was kind of a beautiful thing. So, um, this is When a Brown Girl Flees by Amna Qureshi. Um, it was really great. Excellent. So those are books that we have read and loved, and now we're going to talk about a few more of today's releases that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. They might be in hardcover, they might be in paperback. I am going to start with one that I think is my other favorite cover of the year. It is Never Whistle at Night, an indigenous dark fiction anthology by Shane Hawk and Theodore C. Van Alst Jr., this is an adult horror anthology. It says dark fiction, but it's listed as horror, and that makes me so happy. Uh, these are original stories, uh, and in the description it says they that uh, many indigenous people believe you should not whistle at night, and so these stories uh, work off that premise, which I had never heard before. I've heard the um, saying, like, never whistle past the graveyard, like if you whistle going past a graveyard, like you're inviting trouble, um, but this is apparently you should never whistle at night. And so it says in the description there are going to be ghosts, curses, hauntings, monstrous creatures, complex family legacies, desperate deeds, and chilling acts of revenge. Like, sign me up. I am in. <laughs> it also includes an introduction by Stephen Graham Jones, who is just the best. And there are many, many, many authors contributing to this anthology, including 
Norris Black, Phoenix Boudreau, Sherry Dimeline, Kelly Joe Ford, Brandon Hobson, Darcy Little Badger, Nick Medina, Tommy Orange, Marcy R. Rendon, Rebecca Roanhorse, and Morgan Talty. So I am really excited to check this out and get my own copy because I just love the cover so much. It is Never Whistle at Night, an indigenous dark fiction anthology by Shane Hawk and Theodore C. Van Alst Jr., who I should also add both have stories in this collection. What is your next pick? Um, my next pick is The Only Girl in Town by Ali Condi. And I actually did read this one. I just finished Yay. it the other day. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's amazing. I, I read most of the books <laughs> that I'm talking about this week. Some months it's a little hard to get to both of them, but um, I did manage it this month. So this one is um, about July fielding. And at the beginning of the book, she is walking back from this lake near her house and she's walking and and all of a sudden, it just like everything seems to go silent. And she's like, okay, what's going on? And she walks into town and like everybody is gone. Like absolutely everybody. No, no people, no animals or pets or anything. The town's just empty. And so, of course, at first she's like, whoa, what the heck? Did something happen? Did I get left behind? Like what's going on? And then she's walking around town and it's just there's nobody and there's no sort of sign of disaster either. And so she is truly alone. And now that she is truly alone, she is kind of forced to reckon with some memories and some thoughts that she's been running from for about a year. And as she's moving her way through her abandoned empty town, she starts seeing mysterious messages and like little flashes of like signs and evidence that make maybe she isn't alone. Maybe there is somebody else in town, but they're just kind of out of her reach. So um, this book is dual point of view. It's, you know, Part of it's now, like what's happening to her now is she's the only girl left. And then part of it is um, about a year earlier when she had friends, she had a boyfriend, she was on the running team, things were good. She had a you know family who loved her, but then everything kind of went off the rails. And so she's remembering what happened. I really like this book. It um, was very, very emotional, very um, intriguing because you're like, wait, what the heck is going on? I blew through it in probably like, you know, a day, day and a half. Um, so it's I don't want to say too much about the book because I don't want to give anything away. I think this is one of those books where knowing just kind of like the bare minimum and then going in that's like the best way to go. So I definitely recommend picking up The Only Girl in Town by Ali Condi. All right. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay. My other pick for you today is very exciting because it was just announced this morning that it is on the long list for the National Book Award for Fiction. Oh. It is North Woods by Daniel Mason. I loved his book, The Winter Soldier. I think that's what it's called. Now I'm not remembering correctly. Maybe I'm getting the Marvel Universe movie mixed up. But um, I think that's what it's called. Um, it's set during World War One, which is great because there are so few books set during World War One compared to uh, World War Two. So I know a lot of people are always asking for books during World War One. So I highly recommend that one. And... It's, it's just so good. And yes, it is indeed The Winter Soldier. I always second guess myself, but not until I'm on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this one is called The Northwoods. It's, or it's called Northwoods, and it's about a cabin in the woods. And over the centuries, the people who live there or who come across it or use it for shelter, and not just people, actually, but also creatures, it starts with a couple that escapes from a Puritan colony. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, that's because last week I talked about The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff, which is one of my very favorite books of the year. And it's also about someone escaping from a Puritan colony. And also, I cannot, like, I'm very shocked that it's not on the National Book Award long list. I was really surprised. But, you know, this one is. And so apparently people escaping from Puritan colonies is very in right now. And I was thinking about some of the other trends of the year, which include uh, mushrooms, book with mushrooms, and elderly detectives. So maybe like someone should write a book about an elderly Puritan who has escaped from their colony to look for someone who stole some mushrooms. Like, 
then you'd have like a hit right there, right <laughs> off the bat. That's my idea for you. Totally free. You can use it. But I'm really excited to also read this one. It is Northwoods by Daniel Mason. Ooh, that does sound good. All right. My last pick is The Widely Unknown Myth of Apple and Dorothy by Corey Ann Haydu. And so this book, the premise of it is like, okay, imagine that the earthly, like there's earthly descendants of Greek gods. And they they live on Earth, but they are immortal. But in order to maintain their immortality, they have to go visit Mount Olympus at least once a year in this like big ceremony. And that kind of like seals it for them. Like, okay, yep, good job. You have immortality for another, you know, year until you have to come back. But one year, Dorothy's mother decides that she doesn't want to go. And because she doesn't want to go and she doesn't go to Mount Olympus, um, she immediately becomes mortal. And tragically, not long after that, she dies in a horrible car accident. So now, as a result, the gods, because they they're apparently offended by this, um, they say like, okay, all of you descendants who are living on Earth who who are immortal because you come see us once a year, you have to make a decision. Like, are are you going to you know continue to be immortal? Then you have to come live up here on on Mount Olympus. You can't live on Earth anymore. And, but if you want to stay on Earth, then you'll become mortal. And this creates like a lot of angst amongst the those that are, are living on Earth because they have to make a pretty big decision. So Dorothy, her, her mother, you know, left and and now she's kind of feeling like, you know, why would I want to go um, when they turned their back on me and my mom? Um, meanwhile, Apple, she is the descendant of Zeus and Hera and she is very popular and, you know, very well liked, but she's also you know, got a lot of pressure on her. So their mothers were best friends. They weren't really close before Dorothy's mother died. But now that this decision is upon them, they become closer and they have to decide, like, you know, are we going to, you know, individually they have to decide what are they going to choose, immortality or mortality? Um, But what does that mean for their friendship? And what does it mean for for the two of them? So um, this one sounds really great. It's been getting some amazing reviews, so I can't wait to read it. It is The Widely Unknown Myth of Apple and Dorothy. All right. Those are books that we have read and loved. And I thought now uh, we could do something a little different today. And since the last list from the National Book Awards came out this morning, and we could just kind of talk a little bit about our thoughts about some of the nominees on the long list here. Yeah. Starting with fiction. I'm not going to read all the titles, but Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajibrenya was nominated, which, like, I have not had a good track record lately. I've been picking books and been completely wrong but last year when i read this book and i talked about it on the show i said this is gonna be a national book award winner and look at that it's on the long list so it very well could be um my other favorite book of the year loot by tanya james is on this list which i talked about a couple months ago love 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 this book i also love this other eden by paul harding which i talked about on the show i will say he probably doesn't agree with me but Paul Harding, he has a Pulitzer, so, you know, if he doesn't doesn't make the cut because, you know, Chain Gang All-Stars is going to win, it's okay. You know, he's got a Pulitzer. He'll be fine. <laughs> He'll be fine. Uh, I was surprised that the Alice Wynn wasn't on the list in memoriam because that's remarkable. I was surprised that the Lauren Groff wasn't on the list. I was surprised that the new Jasmine Ward isn't on the list. Um, that comes out in a few weeks, and it's so, so, so good. But I was excited to see the new Justin Torres because we've been waiting a really long time for a new book from him. He wrote We the Animals uh, and his new book Blackouts has made the the fiction list as well. What do you think about the fiction list? I think the fiction list looks good. I have not read a single book on the list, so I feel oh. bad. <laughs> I'm not on the fiction list. Um, yeah, I, I keep hearing amazing things about Chain Gang All-Stars. So that was exciting to see. Yeah. Um, no, and I actually, um, Nightwatch has been on my TBR, so I think I'm going to have to to bump it up. But yeah, this is a pretty good list. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nightwatch by Jane Ann Phillips, which is actually out today. Perfect. Uh, so so people can pick that up. And um, now for nonfiction, again, really impressed with some of the lists, but 
I really, really, really thought that We Were Once a Family was going to be on this list by Roxana Asgarian. I loved that book. That's my favorite nonfiction of the year. And so, but I mean, it's so hard to read. So I understand. Not difficult to read, like, word-wise, but like subject matter. Yeah. But I mean, I really, really thought that was going to be on this list. But yeah, I've read very few of the the books that made the nonfiction list. I've read so little nonfiction. I have read the John Valiant, uh, Fireweather. He wrote one of my favorite nonfiction books, uh, The Tiger, many years ago about the the tiger that mm-hmm. hunted the hunters that wounded it and killed them. Because yay, tiger revenge story. I'm trying to think, like, I read Liliana's Invincible Summer by Christina Rivera Garza, which is really, really good, about revisiting the murder of her sister 30 years ago. When Crack Was King, I've read a little bit of that one. That one is really excellent. Um, A couple here, I I was like, I don't know these at all. The Slip, The New York City Street That Changed American Art Forever by Prudence Piper. I had not heard of that one. I have, like, I have a good feeling. I don't know. I just feel like King, A Life by Jonathan Eig about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. I feel like that one's going to be on the shortlist for sure. Yeah. Um, have you read any of the nonfiction? No, I haven't. I mean, I I've have um, Liliana's Invincible Summer also on my, mm-hmm. my TBR um, because I do really enjoy, like, true crime and, and, like, true crime investigations, especially when they're coming from, like, the point of view of somebody – like family and you know they're they're kind of diving deep into that and it, they're very obviously affected by it but um yeah i haven't read any of these books i've i'm a slacker i guess this year no that's not slacking everybody reads different things like for instance i have read none of the poetry books i don't even know that i've read a book of poetry this year every time i read poetry i'm like i love this and yet for some reason i never pick it up mm-hmm. and i and this might be an unpopular opinion but i do i do believe that poetry books get the best titles and sometimes the best covers. Yes. But no, I have not read any of the books on the poetry list. I'm not going to go through them now because I just have to be like, no, I haven't read this, I haven't read this, I haven't read this. But I am excited to see like, you know, Tin House and Copper Canyon Press and Grey Wolf Press and like all the cool little presses, you know, get some shout outs here. They clean up pretty well in the poetry section usually. Yeah. Yeah. And now the... Translated literature long list. I have read Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung, which is like so messed up. I highly recommend it. It also won, I think it won the International Booker Prize last year. I think that was the winner. Let's see. I haven't read anything else here, I don't think. On a Woman's Madness, I believe, is a reissue of an older book that I've heard. It's really, really great. And is that all I've read here? Yeah. I am excited for the David Diop because I loved his last book, the title of which is escaping me. His new book is called Beyond the Door of No Return, and that comes out soon. I guess I should have told people to, like, pull up the list first before we start talking about this. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But Jenny Erpenbeck is always amazing. Uh, I haven't read the new one, Kairos, but it's going to be great, I'm sure. And I'm just super excited. I mean, there's been a translation prize now for... I don't know, five, six years, which is really great. I love that they do this. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. And then I don't know that I've read any of the children's... Oh, wait, I take it back. I love Parachute Kids by Betty C. Tang. I love that book. So that would be my pick for this. Although I just bought Simon Sort of Says by Aaron Bow. Last week, somebody said... Everyone needs to read this book. On the back, it mentions that it's about a school shooting and it's going to turn people off. She's like, but it's actually really funny and really well done and kind of lighthearted around the subject. And it's great for kids and it's great for adults. And she said it was like her favorite book of the year. So I picked that one up. I haven't read it yet, but I see now that it is on the list. It is so good. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, so this is my time to shine. I have actually read Yay. more of the young people's literature laws. Um, yeah, I love Simon Sort of Says. It is so excellent. I bought it for my library when it came out, and I picked it up and I read it. And, oof, yeah, it, it gets you in all the feels. Um, I have not read Who to F Cares, but I did read... Uh, oh, I did, I did read that one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I said I did read. I did read the, the prequel to that. Is it Who to F Are You? Or, yeah. But that's, um, so this is like another. Oh, that's the one I read. Yeah. That one came out um, 
yeah, Who the F Are You by Huda Fami. And um, that one came out a couple of years ago. So this is um, her newest one. And Who the F Are You is hilarious. So I'm sure Who the F Cares is amazing. And then um, Alice and Derek's Forget Me Not. I did not finish that book, but I know I started it. And it was more like one of those things where like I'm reading a bunch of different stuff and I just need to kind of like regroup and actually go back and finish it because I was enjoying it. But yeah, there's um, it seems like there's more stuff for younger readers than there are for, for young adults. And I, I don't love that, you know, the National Book Award loops young people's literature all in like one category because I do think that like there's a vast difference between young adult and middle grade and and picture books and I think that they are deserving of their own categories however I understand because this is you know there there's a significant amount of money attached to winning the national book award so it's not like that they can just like come up with new categories really nilly so um but I think this is a good list I, I was very impressed by it yeah I'm rooting for Chain Gang All-Stars. I just love that book so, so much. Um, And I want everyone to read it all the time. So that is our thoughts on the national book lists, I guess I should say. I'm not going this year. I haven't been in a few years now because first it was like the pandemic. They didn't have it. And then I haven't been able to attend because of health reasons, you know, and I'm not going this year. By the time I finally get back to going to the ceremony, it'll probably be like, you know, all virtual, like you strap on a suit and attend in like a virtual <laughs> you know, avatar or something like that. But I hear Oprah's going to be there this year. Oh, wow. Wow. I do like that they stream it because I always like watching it and I have yeah. never been. But that's really cool. I did not know Oprah was going to be there. Pretty fancy. Yeah. Well, she was going to be joining Drew Barrymore, but oops. <laughs> Drew's <laughs> not, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Like, everything you can imagine. It's like my Super Bowl, and I just stand there and go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, because, like, you're trying not to freak out that all these really famous people are, you know, there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like your author famous people. It's it's amazing. So, now, Tirza, what are you going to read next? Okay, so, pre like... A couple of weeks ago, or like a month ago, I decided that I wanted to reread um, more things, especially like because I'm really bad about like starting fantasy series. Like I'll read like the first first like book or two, and then like I just don't pick up the sequels because I'm always like, oh, I gotta reread, so I like am fresh and I know because fantasy books sometimes they're very long and they're very plotty, and I like going in knowing what I'm reading. So I recently mm-hmm. reread the entire Graceling Realm series. Love that experience. So now I'm thinking, I just pulled out my books. I'm going to reread the first book in the Mirror Court, Mirror Visitor Quartet, um, which is A Winter's Promise. And then I'm going to continue because there are three other books that I have never gotten to because I just, I only read the first book and I didn't immediately keep reading or they weren't all out yet. Um, so that is my plan. Um, a Mirror, the Mirror Visitor Quartet by Christelle Davos, which is um, a French YA fantasy series that's been translated into English and um, published by Europa Edition. So I'm really excited about that. And that was like a very long explanation as to like what I'm reading next, but I stand by it. No, and and they're excellent. They're like, I can't resist a very large book. And so I, I picked up A Winter's Promise and the, the whole series is excellent. Yeah. And I feel like they don't get enough attention. And I love that Europa did this young adult series because they don't usually do kids books. And they're all translated by Hildegard Searle. And Crystal Davos actually has a new book coming out in a couple of weeks. It's called... The Here and the the Now. Now. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. It's not part of the series, obviously. This one's a quartet and it's all finished. But I'm going to definitely read that one as well. I loved... Yeah, I loved A Winter's Promise when I read it like four or five... Like, probably three or four years ago. I thought it was Mm -hmm. excellent. So I'm really excited to actually go back to it and then keep going with the series. Yeah. Well, I am... So last week... I tried to trick Vanessa into changing our recording date so I could sit down and read the new Kelly Link that had just come in the mail before we started recording. And I'm still reading it. It is so formidable, like in the best way, but you can't just like sit down and read it in like a day. It's, it's incredible. It's over 600 pages. The best way I can think to describe it is like Skippy Dies meets Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. 
So I've just been kind of like savoring it and reading chunks at a time. I'm like two thirds of the way through it. It's amazing. But I also, I requested this a while ago and I just got it and I'm like, ah, how am I going to fit this in? I requested a book specifically, strictly, I should say, because of the word count. Someone's like, I just got, I just heard about this novel. It's 1200 pages. And I was like, great. I want to read it. <laughs> and they're like, I didn't even tell you what it was yet. And I'm like, don't care. I want a 1200 page book. Let's go. I love big books. And so this one is called Miss Macintosh, My Darling by Marguerite Young. It's being put out by Dalkey Archives, and which is a great indie press. And I guess this one is a classic that's being reissued. You can find it in like sections because apparently some people don't want to buy a whole 1200 page book at one time. Uh, so I guess it came out in like different parts uh, a long time ago and now it's being reissued and i don't know i don't even really know what it's about but they say it is one of the most ambitious and remarkable literary achievements of our time so there you go i am a foolish mm. individual <laughs> i fully admit it i'm i'm a fool um but i was like 1200 pages yes please so that's what i'm working on and that is it for us today i want to remind you that you can enter to get the Octavia Butler and some mystery books. Simply start a free subscription to The Deep Dive. No payment method is required. Go to bookriot.substack.com. That's bookriot.substack.com. No purchase is necessary to enter. And thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Tirza, where can people find you online? Um, I hang out mostly at Instagram. I'm at Tirza Price. All right, and I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. If you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.